You're listening to Culture Camp. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organization. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jason Haugen. All right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. I got a really fun one for you today. I got Mr. Mike Krausen. Is it Krausen? It is. Awesome, man. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. You're the owner of Fit and founder, owner of owner and founder of Fit Legacy Marketing Agency and Coffee Over Cardio, one of the coolest coffee companies out there that actually has really cool licensing agreements with like Dippin' Dots and what was the other one? Uh, Fruity Pebbles, Post, and Honeycomb. Dude, that is, that's so cool. I, I really, I actually was thinking about this on the way here. I was just driving here a, a while, a minute ago, and I was like, man, I actually really, like, I have just started to get into coffee. Um, okay. So when me and you met at that, that that networking event that we met at, I was not into coffee. Like, I was just like, yeah, like, coffee, you know, like, my wife's breath always stinks. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, but now I've kind of gotten into it. It's weird. Dude, so no lie, I got COVID, lost my taste and smell, right? Like, I just did all that, that whole thing. It was actually kind mm-hmm. of a short period, maybe a couple of weeks I lost it. I could not stand coffee and then got COVID and then kind of came out of it and was like, how ah, like it's, you know, what, like it doesn't really bother me as it once did, but I still never tried it. And then, you know, not too long ago I tried it and I was like, really, it's not that bad. And also I used to hate fish and now I love fish. Like I, I don't know what happened when my wires got crossed when I got COVID or whatever that disease was called. And, uh, but now I just love coffee and love, love it all. Yeah. I mean, I I personally think that coffee doesn't taste good. It's an acquired taste. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's so, and this is a funny way to look at it. So like you look at like beer, like IPAs, you look at whiskeys, red wines, tobacco or cigars, um, and really in coffee. Right. So anything that has a specialty person that tells you how fancy it is doesn't taste good. Right. So like Somalia, you like got to convince me how good this wine is because it's based on where it comes from, not because how good it tastes. Right. And we always judge like coffee or, you know, alcohol or tobacco. It's not that's good. It's just not as bad as that shitty one I had that one time. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the baseline is the worst one. And then the good ones are the ones that were better than that. Right. No, I love that analogy. And you're right. Like I did, I, I went to Napa for the first time when they went and uh, did that whole experience and this dude's gargling and swishing. I'm like, you're not human, bro. There's nobody, there's nobody <laughs> in the right mind that likes that. Like, especially when I go to like whiskey tastings and distilleries yeah. and they're like, I don't know. I'm mean, there swishing around and gargling and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, so it becomes more of an appreciation for making something that doesn't taste good, be palatable. But right. then again, like if it was good, six-year-olds would do all the things that I listed and they don't. And it's because it doesn't taste good. Right. Yeah. It's definitely, a, I would agree with you. It's a quiet taste. So man, you're, you're awesome. I mean, we, we got to meet at a networking event. We had a great conversation and been following you for a while. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan. I mean, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're doing really well and you're building a really awesome brand and you got some things in the works that we'll, we'll get into, but I want to, want to talk about your story and kind of how you got into this uh, wild yes. ride of entrepreneurship and um, let's start from there. Yeah, man. So, um, I'm 33. Um, the, for the first 22 years of my life, I was an Alabama native. Uh, if you can't pick up on the accent, this is the good version. Right. <laughs> and 
my dad owned his own excavation business. So I thought when I was 16, I was going to take over the business. I was going to run heavy machinery. I was going to do all these things. And as soon as I basically was going to college, which he told me, you're going and you have to pay for it. So that was just my assumption. That was the way it worked. Right. Um, None of my peers had that. Just me. Right. And so he was like, okay, so I taught you how to use your hands. Now I want you to go to use your mind. So basically what he did was set me up with hard work, work ethic, value of a dollar. And then if I ever needed to come back to a job, I could. So like if the world collapsed tomorrow, I could go get a construction job and run any piece of heavy equipment. Right. Right. So like he's basically set me up with a foundation. Okay. And from there, I was very shocked that he said that, but I was, I was actually in the bodybuilding. And so I competed as a teenager. I've done like 13 shows in my career. I always make the joke. I'm double retired, but Which I did look, a photo I'm, shoot. I'm not going to lie, bro. You're freaking shredded. You're a beast. Well, like, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate I'm, that. I'm, 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 man crushing over here i mean you look i mean for everybody go look you up on instagram you're, you're a beast i will say that thank you um but i did a photo shoot and they come out really good and so i post those online and i was personal training at the time during college that's how i paid my way through and i posted them online made a page and i got a really good friend of mine frankie guerra was like hey like go online, like do something creative. And this was so outside my realm because I'm just a country bumpkin. Right. Right. He thought bigger. And I'm so thankful that he did because I basically went and met with a modeling agency, moved to New York to do fitness modeling. And that didn't really pan out. However, I've got like book covers and I got all this stuff. And it just showed a different world to me outside of what I could do with my hands. Right. And so I basically left the good gig that I had personal training, started from scratch, moved to New York. Um, I mean, I shared a place with 10 strangers in a duplex where I was paying uh, $725 for a parking spot and a bedroom in Jersey wow. City, New Jersey. Um, so like very, very humble uh, approach going into the big city. Um, end up getting a job at Shreds. I was like the ninth employee there, stayed there two and a half years, realized was, I wanted to go back to work for myself. I all those days. Yeah, dude. So like, you know, we basically founded what it was like to use social media to make money on the internet. Right. Um, but left that, went back to doing my own thing. I was like, I'm going to be a personal trainer again online, go back to that space. And I'm going to build out a team. I'm going to work with other individuals. Um, I always give Guy Sister Nino credit. If you don't know who that is, IFBB Pro, Guy Sister Nino yep. gave me a chance to work for him and with him to build out the back end of his training and website and whatnot. So we did that, built us a apparel company and realized like I loved the back end of things. And I actually went into doing phone sales and like on his behalf and it went really well. And then I moved back to Alabama for six months. I met with a guy um really wealthy guy and he was like mike you've made a big mistake and i was like what do you mean he was like you're too big for the town you need to leave and not get stuck in this rat race of this small town mentality so i took it to heart six months later i moved to huntington beach california or la with no plan just get out wow so i did so stayed there six months had an opportunity to move to dallas where i'm currently at now in 2017 um, to start a marketing agency and to start Rye Supplements. 
And so I started Rise and I started Coffee Over Cardio at the same time. Okay. One year into Rise, I sold my piece and Coffee Over Cardio continued. Now we're coming up on five and a half years. Um, marketing agency continued. So I worked with some really large brands. Um, some of the people at the event that we were at, I like did do and work for them as well. Um, and I just started getting out there, just started like going to events and networking, meeting people and basically leveraging coffee as like, Hey, I know what I'm doing. Right. Right. Like I've been able to build that space and build a name for myself. And it's kind of come full circle because now we have basically have got into software now and providing leads for coaches and e-com and consultants. So it's funny that I went from personal training to businesses back to individuals and getting out of the space of like all the large businesses and going back to helping the many versus just the few. Right. And it's been a wild, wild ride. But uh, the biggest things we've done inside Coffee Over Cardio is we're coming up um, we're actually just waiting on approval on flavors for our Fruity Pebbles launch. Um, we've done the dip and Dots. It's done well. We still have other flavors we're producing and coming out with. And um, yeah, dude, it's 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 been a award win from starting off screen printing T-shirts in a two-story apartment where I had plastic on the ground and I'm like blowing out the screens in the bathroom with a red light hooked up to a split off my, my washing machine. I love it. To now run a 5,000 square foot warehouse with, you know, 13, 14 employees. Dude, that's awesome. Dude, that's, that's such an, that's, that's an awesome story because I love that you, like you bootstrapped a lot of this stuff and you've tried a lot of different things and you, you've, you've done it, it kind of, kind of the hard way, but really, just grown <laughs> yeah. and, and took opportunities as they were given to you and took it full advantage of them, ran down those, those paths or whatever. And then kind of like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this or go do that or go do this. And like trying to better yourself every single time you did. I mean, that that's awesome. That's a great story. I, I love that. It's an awesome story. Dude, so why do I know the name rise supplements? So like, I swear I've seen that around. Because they're a massive company at this point. Are they? Yeah, dude, I, yeah. I feel like so, I've taken Rise. Um, so Rise Supplements, they're the ones that did all the collaborations with like Ring Pop and Sunny D. They just launched Country Time. They're in Walmart. It's all across the United States. Wow. Um, they got tons of influencers. The biggest one being um, Noel Bodybuilding, or they call Daddy Noel. Yeah. Um, they've really, really put themselves on the map. Um, I'm really proud of them for doing so. Um, they're also the ones that collaborated um, and sponsored um, Conor McGregor at, at the time when he was like really in it. Okay. Um, they've really been able to build a name for themselves. And um, it would surprise me if they do a hundred million this year. Wow. man, that, that's, and especially in supplements. I mean, they're, they're your, your ticket price. I mean, I do hundred million in RVs, but I'm, you're talking about some of them are a couple hundred thousand right. dollars, right? Right. Versus you know, a hundred dollar AOV. Yeah. Not yeah. a $50 pre-workout that, that, that's yeah. that's that's awesome and it's you helped feat, start man. that you helped start you helped start rise i did yeah so i basically um i mean i packed every order the first year right i came into that with um it was like four of us and we each had our tasks and uh it basically come to a breaking point to where it's like you got to go all in on something and i had to go all in on rise or all in on coffee right i made the decision to go all in on myself versus a piece of something else no it makes sense man i mean you at the end of the day don't know like, if that was the best decision being a, now that piece is worth a shit ton of money however right. 
the life I live now, I cannot complain about right. the freedom that I have being no partners and, you know, getting to really learn how things work. And, you know, like last year I traveled 17 times. Can't right. do that as a partner with something. Right. Right. Cause they're like, Hey, you ever going to work or what are you going to do? Yeah. Right? But I, mean, I have the ability it, it, to come and go as I please and do what I want. Right. And every entrepreneur was like, I'm going to do this so that, you know, I can work my schedule what I want. And you end up trading 40 hours a week for 70. Right. Yeah. I mean, so it, now I work more than ever. Exactly. But it's on my time. Right. I get to choose what I want to do and when I want to do it. And I love it. That's awesome. I freaking love it. Then that's all that matters. I mean, at the end of the day, like it, it, it you know, entrepreneurship isn't necessarily the prettiest thing. I mean, people like, you know, it, it's, it's a very select few um, that lasts a long time. Like a lot of people end up being, you know, entrepreneurs and this and the other, but there's a select few that kind of stay, stay in the game. And it, it's, it's, it's a difficult, difficult game, but it, it definitely pays off. And like, you're working, like everything happens for a reason, right? Like, like my mentor of mine yep. always told me like, Hey, everything in life is a blessing or a lesson. And sometimes it's both. And if you look at things like that, you can yes. look back and be like, oh yeah, that was a blessing. I learned a lesson and you know, it sets you up now possibly for this software that you're launching that, you know, we were talking about before we were before, you know, before the podcast and it, it got a lot of exciting things going on. And yeah. I, cause I look at, you know, I was in network marketing and like, I, I can look at it one way of like that set me five years back or six years back, or it might've propelled me six years forward because I learned so much. I mean, if you go back and dealing with thousands of people at a very young age, being thrown on stages, be, having to speak and teach and, you know, present to kid, you know, my, I was 18 years old. I'm a kid and have to go to present a business opportunity to their parents. You grow up fast. I mean, it, like it's hard. Yeah. yeah. You know, you it, get thrown into it really quick. And yeah. Oftentimes an entrepreneur, you're not ready for it, but you got to deal with it. Exactly. I mean, you don't have a choice. Like when your back's against the wall, you, you got to no make choice. a decision, right? And right. you know, I tried not to ever let myself have an out or take the easy way out and just push, keep pushing forward and find a way. I mean, I read a book um, by, uh, what is it? Uh, Napoleon Hill. That's like, Hey, you know, most entrepreneurs and people quit right before success. And I'm like, you know, don't, I mean, I, my, you know, my mentor is always like, don't you just want to see if it's just around the corner. And I'm like, ah, oh, you got me. Okay. Yeah, I'll keep going. Um, Dude, but I'm, I'm telling you that is like every week. Right. Right. Because it's, you think like, you know, like this is not going to get any better or this is worse. This is hard. Like, I'm not sure what to do. But, you know, I heard Andy Frisella say on stage one time that if you see it different, it feels different. Right. So either it's a it's a failure or it's a lesson or if it uh, does, it it's a failure or it teaches you. But like the one thing that I can say that. I've done and like truly held to is just jumping. Right. Going from Alabama to New York, leaving the job from New York to back to starting from scratch to Alabama again, to LA, to Dallas. And then just understanding that, like, I don't know what's next, but I'll figure it out. Right. And well, I've always figured it out. And then no matter what happens in the day, I still got two hands where I can go do something with construction. Right. What? What do you think, can you look back in your childhood or, or anything that would, the, like, do you think helped you? Like, was it your, like, mate, like your, your dad sounds amazing, but like, like, was it your, like, cause I'm, how much I'm to say this? Like I get so many people that are like, Hey, like I got to know this and I got to know that. And I can't start until, you know, X, Y, and Z happen or A, B, C, D all the way to Z happen. Like, and 
which you and I both know, like the, the best way to start, like the best way to learn how to ride a bike is you start to ride the bike and keep riding the bike until you can ride the bike. Yes. Like you're not just going to sit biggest, there and study it until you can ride the bike. And, like, yeah, you know so what I'm saying? Like, question, how are you able to just keep like what, what laid that foundation and just get you to keep jumping? So I told a story the other day. Um, so my father, it was, it wasn't whether like I wanted to work or not. It was like, you're going to work. I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you well. Right. And so we had to show up. Right. So like it went from allowance to like, Hey, you're 13. Now you're going to start chopping firewood for a living and you're right. going to start selling it and you're going to chop it, deliver it, and make money. Like, so he basically forced me into entrepreneurship as a, as a kid. Right. Right. So, I mean, I thank him because I gained 20 pounds every summer. Right. <laughs> but sure. the, you know, talk about childhood traumas here. My father was very, very stern. He was a hard ass. He did not take no for an answer. It was his way or the highway. Okay. And you couldn't take the highway. So you just had to go his way. And he was very, very hard and very, very stern. And I think the pursuit of being enough for so long in his eyes, but now I was really trying to prove to myself, are you enough? That kept me pushing to do more and more. Because when I do something, dude, I'm all in. Right. And until I can't keep going, like between bodybuilding to business to like, I'm, I'm just full blast in whatever I do. Right. I think the biggest thing that was the story that I tell, and I think this was a really good turning point. There's a few turning points in my life that made me who I am today. Right. And one of them was we were working on a truck that he bought for me. Uh, it was an 85C10 pickup truck, and we were basically rebuilding it together. Right. He was underneath the engine, and I was on top of it. And he was like, he's like, all right, I'm going to hoist this up, and you put this bolt in. And I still don't know to this day if this was intentional or not. But he was like, I need you to put this bolt in here whenever I lift it up. So we lifted it up, and I was like, I can't. He was like, Canton is not going to help me underneath this engine. If you don't do this, it's going to crush me. So it made me figure out a way to make it happen in the moment, realizing Canton is not an option. Right. And so obviously found a way, made it work. Because right. it's he it, was, it wasn't, it's can't like it's not a thing. He always used to say can't's not in my vocabulary. You just figure out how to do it. Right. And so I actually got him out here, had him sell the farm, move out to Texas here with us, shows up in the warehouse, does his tasks and whatnot, and hears somebody say can't in the office. And him like, what'd you say? I can't hear you. Right. Right. Again, instilling that mentality that has been forgotten in today's society, that can't's not a thing. That's a choice. Right. 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 Um, and then another one, because it pairs with that, is that when I was shooting basketball one day, I shot the ball and it was coming right off of uh, baseball going to basketball season. I was like 14, 15. I kept missing. And I was like, and I just kicked the ball out of frustration. And I realized like, I have to go chase this ball down now that I just kicked. And in that moment, it hit, hey, like you need patience. Mm. It takes time. You're right. not just going to pick this back up right where you left off. So I think the combination of telling myself that you can do anything that you want. You just really have to think big enough to make it happen. And the understanding that it takes patience to become good is what's allowed me to continue to move forward 
after trial and tribulations, because as a business owner, you know that you have three types of days. 33% of your days are going to be good. 33% days are going to be neutral and 33 days are going to be bad. Right. And you get to decide how it affects you. Right. Yeah, if I know that's what's going to happen, then expect it and move forward. Right. Instead of just dwelling on the bad day, because guess what? Tomorrow, 33 chance is going to happen again. Exactly. So you can deal with it and move forward, or you can quit and go get a nine to five. Right. You right. choose. No, I, I love that, man. Like, like that, there's so much value in that, especially if like not giving yourself a choice to quit. I mean, like, like going back to you working on that, that truck with your dad, like you didn't have a choice. I mean, like you literally, you hold on till your dad can get like, it's just, you know, you just, you figure it out. And it's just so many lessons in that of like, like it is possible to figure it out sometimes, you know, and sometimes it takes a, a pause, whether that's a two or three second pause to figure out a plan of how to hoist that engine. You know, you, obviously you can't hold it forever, but like to give yourself, right. you know, to those options or take a reset or a step back and figure out the problem, the, the problem, but like it's solutions. It's, it's, it's finding those solutions, but not letting yourself have that, that mentality that you can't do it. And then, oh, someone else, will, or even, oh, someone else will do it for me. If it, my mom always used to say, like, if it is to be, it's up to me. I, you have to do it. Like. You know, that's why I love bodybuilding. I love bodybuilding. And I actually was talking to Flex Lewis about this the other day in Vegas. And I'm like, we, we similar, not really similar story, but we quit bodybuilding for the exact same reason. And so we started talking and he's like, I love bodybuilding. I was like, I do too. And I was like, the reason I love it is because it's selfish, but it's a team sport. And he like looked at me and he was like, what do you mean by that? And I was like, well, your coaches, you got a nutrition coaches, you got workout coaches, you got the gym, you got everything. You're, you're. I mean, you can have meals handed to you already cooked, but it's a hundred percent up to you if you take a bite of that meal. It's a hundred percent up to you if you eat that, you know, if you do that cheat meal or whatever. It's a hundred percent. Yeah, I love it. It's a hundred percent up to you if you go work out. It's a hundred percent up to you to do all the job. Like your coaches can set you up for success, but it's a hundred percent up to you to make the decision and have the vision and the dream big enough that you want to keep moving forward and to make those things happen. And he looked at me and he was like, dude, you're a hundred percent right. Like I say that all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I, that's why I love bodybuilding. And I feel like there's a lot that can come out of that, especially if, you know, you have to do it. Like if it's a hundred percent up to you, like you have to go work out, you have to go do those things. No one's going to do them for you. They can give you 90%, you know, they could, you know, sure all your nutrition, everything, but you got to eat, you got to go work out, you got to sleep, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to take the right supplements, like, you know, no one's forcing you to do anything, and I feel like in life, that like, that is life, like, no one's going to force you to do anything, but you have to make the decision where you have to decide you're, like, that you are going to do this, or are going to do whatever you want, but you, you can't, or like, you shouldn't let the word can't, like, I can't do that, I can't do this, can't do that, then it's like, like, dude, like your dream's not big enough. If you feel like you can't, like your dream's not big enough. Like you had a really big why with your father underneath that engine to make it happen, right? And I feel like some people, when they either quit or this or that or the other, don't really know what's going on. I feel like their why and their dream is just not big enough. Like your dream and your why should be so big that it almost scares you where no obstacle can get in the way. Like your love for your dad was so deep. And so like you would have probably held that engine, even if it was a hundred percent bearing on you for as long as it took to make it happen and sure. figure that out. Like that's, that's amazing. I determine, or I basically describe why the, why you haven't quitted is the reason you started in the first place. Right. I love that. 
And so if you don't, if you forget why you started, you've got, you're too lost. Go back to the beginning. Right. Why did you start? And that's why you haven't quit. Right. And why you haven't quit is why you started. So for me, when it comes to making a decision to something, you said something there is like a choice. It is your choice. Right. And so the thought that you second guess your own choice and like, am I going to meal or am I going to put in these hours needed? The thought of me not doing it does never cross my mind of like, I'm not going to do that even though I need to. Right. Um, I want to compete in this show, but I really want to eat this pizza. And it's like, no, like I, I don't because I'm on a mission. Right. And so the thought process of not doing something or like wavering has never been a thing of mine. Right. And I know that that's rare in the sense because most people, you know, it outside influences easily can sway them. Right. But like when I say I'm going to do something, like I just do it. Right. So for example, like when Paula, my girlfriend, two days after we met, she was like, Hey, I'm going to do something hard. Do it with me. I started that day. I love it. And then something happened and she quit in two days. And I finished the program one, because I wanted to prove to her. Right. At the same time, I also made it public. And even though I didn't want to do this to begin with, I was just trying to impress a girl, um, which is silly, but at the same (laughs) time, like I just went through it and I started October 25th. I had already bought a table for Halloween, my buddy coming in town. So I like committed hundreds of dollars to alcohol, didn't drink it. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, like the works, but it's still complete. Like, so like when I set out to do something, I just do it. Like there's no going back. There was no plan B. It's just like, you're going to figure it out as you go. Right. So I just, I just take that approach and just do I love. I don't that. let fear. I don't, I don't. I don't. I always make a joke. I don't fear anything. But the truth is, I fear the future, not now. Right. Right. I, I, I stress. Like stress is nothing more than thinking about what's to come. Right. Right. Which means you're not living in the moment. Which is one of the battles I'm trying to do now. Is like, hey, be in the moment because tomorrow's not here. So why the hell are you worried about it? Right. Right. I mean, it's 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 almost like fear. Like sometimes I I I can relate to you because I I sometimes I feel like. And I, I almost fear if I don't execute or do something like what is the what is the the multiplication factor on the other side of yeah. the potential loss or even that I'm not helping people or setting the company up for success. Like I have, you know, 180 or whatever um, team members of our of our RV dealerships. And I'm like, well, what if I don't do, you know, what I have to do, you know, even though it's painful and different things and such. And some days I'm just like screw the whole thing and i hate like it's just you know so they have some of those days but then you look back of like my dream and my why and I'm like, hey like i have to do this like i have like i almost fear the future that if i don't do this something bad is going to happen so i have to make it happen and and that keeps me pushing me forward and you know like i i, I it, it's and it's it's hard because like we we also have a life and you you mental stat like there there is so much to entrepreneurship that we could talk about that's like the dark side of entrepreneurship, which, yeah. you know, there's a dark side to anything, but, um, you know, it, it says so there's much. There's a big like, difference between making money and getting paid. Right. Yeah. Big, big difference. difference. Big, big difference. I mean, yeah, especially when your whole life's on the line or when it's all up to you or when you have a whole team member, like when, when times well, are bad or. Most people don't realize is that 
you know, when something's like not going the way you want it to, you think about yourself. But at the same time, what about my team members that have kids? Right. And like the fact that if I don't figure this out, then they probably are going to have to get let go and or kids not getting fed. So like that you have to pull on that. You don't have to, but you do out of being like, you know, a human and friends with these people and like understanding that's like, hey, like there's repercussions to everything that people don't think about because like you don't build great culture if you don't think about those things to begin with. Right. Because if if they're just a number or an X and an O, then you don't, it doesn't matter. You don't care. But like when you really want to build a unit, you got to think past the dotted line. Right. Like you're dealing with people. I mean, people, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of data that goes into people, but at the same time, like you're, you're, you're dealing with people and there's emotions and there's people and there's, they got kids and there's like a a family and a a mortgage and a car payment, all these things Like you're dealing with people. So one thing I want to ask you is like, how, how have you been able to build a team and surround yourself? Um, It seems like, it seems like you've been like, you've done, you've been involved in some very successful companies like uh, shreds was huge. um, Rise is huge. Um, there is huge and like you've been involved with a lot of successful companies. It feels like, you know, you've been a part of that, that structuring of the foundational pieces of companies. How have you been able to, to scale and grow and put together the right pieces in, in the companies that you've been in as well as your company? Well, I'll tell you what, I am not the best leader. Um, what I felt like my superpower is, is understanding the consumer. Okay. And so which makes me a really good salesman. Um, when it comes to leadership and management, um, it's something that I'm forever working on because I never had a, like a real job in a corporate setting right? where there was a hierarchy and structure. I worked for my dad, who was the furthest thing from a leader versus a dictator when it right. comes to working for him, right? And then working with Shredge, a ninth point, it was a startup. There was no structure or corporate there either. Right. And so I've never worked retail i've never worked fast food i've never worked anything that had a door i've only worked for small business or startup okay and so it's been a learning curve of understanding how to draw the line right it's been a learning curve understanding micromanaging okay um or handing off tasks or sops right right so for myself, what I've come to realize is that I always had a rule and I still abide by it is that when it comes to my guys, you can ask me anything you want. If you want it off on Friday, you can have it. So I never say no. I also never expect a no in return. Right. So if you want off on Friday, great. But if I text you it's Saturday at 6 p.m., I expect a response. Right. Either... Hey, I can get to it in the morning or I can get to it on Monday, whatever, but just some type of communication of some degree. Right. Um, but I think finding people that like, cause you know, you got people that are just like, they just get it, click it and want it to do it. And then you have in people that just want to collect a paycheck. Right. I think my biggest thing that I've learned across the way is understanding other people's intentions, other people's ambitions, and what makes them happy. 
and then not expecting more from the individual based on where they're at and what they want to do. Right. Because there's nothing wrong with whichever one somebody wants to do. But my expectation, it has to evolve to that. Right. And so if somebody wants to just do the the very basic of like, I'm going to complete my job and then like exit, understood. Right. And then I have other people that are like, hey, I want to take this thing to the moon and you just let me know what you need. Understood. Right. But I think for a long time, I wanted everyone to look at it and work as hard as I did, like it was theirs. And there's very few and far between that will take that approach and see you eye to eye and understand bigger picture pieces. Right. Uh, I think that goes in every company. But my biggest mistake, I think, was thinking everybody was going to do that. Right. So, I mean, and that's a huge lesson because. You're so right. And it's great. I mean, I was listening to a podcast today of Andy Frisell and Alex Hermosi, which is a, a fantastic podcast. It's an awesome three hours. Um, but he talks about of like, hey, like if you're an employee, they, they had a little section about employees. And it's like, hey, if you are a $30,000 employee or $40,000 a year employee and you want to be $700,000 employee, do things that $700,000 employees do. Like don't That's expect... Right. And you're talking about like expect like these raises just because you're guilty by association of just being there. Like, you know, and, and that's where we get like, obviously, like there are like cost of living raises and things like that. And especially when we're dealing in this world of, of this crazy inflation that we have. But like I like I not, I mean, it it drives me nuts when people are like, well, I've been here for this long. And it's OK, like, you know, just because like tenure tenure is obviously appreciated and everything's like that. But it's like. Like, let's just put the right butts in the right seats. And, and like we, you know, the values and the value and the job, the job pays the job pays. Like we, we obviously can't over leverage the, the, the company because we're friends and we've been like this and that and the other, but like provide the value. Like if you want the the raise, like I would totally recommend providing the value. Just like you're saying is it, it's hard to yeah. know that intention. And especially if you're never told, like if you hire someone and they never say anything, that is so hard to interpret of like, what personality are there? And like, you know, we do, we break it down in our company, but like, what's their intention? Like, is their intention just to show up? Is their intention when, when they're not saying like, Hey, what can I do more? Can I do this? Can I do that? Or I want to be in this position. Hey, I've been here for three months and I want to grow. What, what else can you have me do? And it's oh, like, maybe we can start to game plan this out. Um, because trust me, like in every company that I know, and even in our company, I'm sure you like, if someone, if someone is that good of an A type player on the team, you're going to find a way to make it happen. It's just like these yeah. or to keep them, hire them, make a position, make something up just to keep them right. Like there's a lot of value in people like just like NBA teams, you know, NBA goes over the cap cap space all the time because they go out and they'll find a way to make it happen. Like the Lakers. No, they're not doing very well, but they definitely have some A type players on the team, but they got rid of Westbrook finally. But, um, you know, they, 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 they do those things to, to, to get those, those a type players, but then you have to also know how to attract them and treat them and, and coach them and do all these things. Those because a type players are kind of easy to, to bounce out of there because they, they know their talents and they can go somewhere else and be super successful. So yep. it's almost like, why, like, like you are, you gotta be in their shoes and, and almost act like you work for you, which is what Andy Frisella said on his, on his podcast is like, he goes to work and he puts on his work uniform and acts like he works for Andy Frisella. Oh, that's awesome. Which there's, I think you and your that, girlfriend know him better than I do, but yeah. So she did work there six years. Um, that's awesome. And they, 
one of the things they do, um, from my understanding, and it's something I'm coming to learn more and more, is that great players are not found; they're made. Right. Yep. Right. There's once you find something, and everyone has their thing right inside them, but when you find the right one for the right position, and you can then cultivate that person to exactly what you want, they become unstoppable. Right. And you want, how do I get five more of those guys? Right. Right. And so when you see that like ambition or will or like willingness to want to learn, that's the biggest piece for me. Right. It's like, do you want to know more? If you do want to know more, I can, I can give you 10 years of experience in six months. Right. And the more you absorb it, and the more you try it versus just it going in and you're one out the other. Um, I got a guy learned Photoshop in three weeks. Wow. Like, I've got an 18 year old guy that works for me. He just turned 19. He started with 17. Wow. He was, he had he's so much potential that I was like, look, I will pay you a full salary not to go to college. Wow. And he took it. And now by the time he, the same time when he graduated college, he will be making twice the money coming out of college because he is putting himself in the position to set his life up for success. And I told him, I was like, no matter what happens, I will always have you. Right. I will pay you personally, no matter what, to ensure that you're here by my side. And and that's invaluable. I mean, those people are so hard to find. And, you know, and then, you know, if you're listening to this, like take, take advice that Mike just said of, of, make those like you got to find a way like you have to be a really good coach when you're leading a team like even if you're not maybe you're not the business owner or the ceo or the founder like but you're leading a team like you have to be able to coach those those people on your team and find those a-type players to be able to operate at a super high level and and you know coach them up and like right. and i also think too like based on that is that even if you're like at the beginning level right Oftentimes I get, hey, what can I do for you? I don't know, bro. What can you do? How about right. you think of something and bring it to me on how you can help me? Now you bring value instead of me passing off tasks. Right. Because I'm not looking to pass tasks. I'm looking for somebody to add value. Right. So think about how you can help me in my everyday life. Be like, hey, man, I noticed that your captions could use some more body and depth. Can I write them for you? Right. Can I give you things to make up for videos on? Like, can I do something for you? And you are putting yourself where I now need you because I'm able to see what I'm lacking versus me going, uh, you want to write my captions and get rid of my busy work? Right. Right. So, I mean, it's just an example of like, what can you do for me instead of me trying to find somebody to fill that task? If right. you go to somebody with something you can do for them, you can ask for more money in return than if I hand the task off. Because in my mind, I just need to get rid of it, not I value it. Right. Right. No. It, so it, those that have so came true. to me with tasks usually will end up starting out a salary higher because you've shown me and you've solidified how you can help versus just asking how you can help. Right. Yeah, because I mean, it, and it shows, it shows the, the 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 
determination to to help. I, if you if you came to me and you're like, hey, I have all these solutions. I noticed that your social media is this, 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 this on Halgan RV Group, and you're you're this. And I notice that your podcast is this way. And I notice that you do this advertising, that advertising. And here's a game plan to do it. I'd be like, done. But if you say, hey, how how can I help you? I'm like. I have no idea. Like I don't, because I don't know that I need any, like I just, you tell right. me what's wrong. Like right. you, you're the marketing genius. You tell me what's wrong. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, and then also people out. like work off incentives too. Right. So like just had a conversation with a guy. I was like, Hey, like, here's a benchmark. I want to hit once this hits, like this is going to happen for you. Right. And a flip switched. And he's like taking calls on a Saturday and he's staying until 7 p.m. And he's like doing all these things to hit that benchmark to get that incentive. Right. And he was like, and I was like, dude, I, I just want to tell you, like, I, I see you. Like, I appreciate everything you're doing. He's like, told you I work off incentives. And it's like, once you figure out that, like, if that's how you work and you can show your boss or your superior that it's like, that's how you also work. Like set up something where you can able to like do that. Not obviously not every company has that right, but at the same time, if it is going to show like hustle, and now you don't feel like that you're just running the mill and like, well, I'm gonna make the same money if I work 40 hours or 50. Right. It's like obviously the person will take the 40 because they don't foresee that future. If you don't foresee that future in your position, go talk to whoever it is above. To like move that needle forward or figure out a game plan to do so. When right. I worked at Shreds, one of the coolest things that I found was he said to the company multiple times, you want to make more money? Come talk to me. We'll find a way for you to make more money. Right. Wow. And I walked in there and said, hey, I want to make X amount. And he was like, I'll pay you this amount. Here's a new task I need you to do. Instant raise. Wow. I had the awesome. conversation and took another task because there's, it's a twofold piece. There's always tasks that can be done inside a business, right? Right. And from the business owner, it's easier to pay somebody to do more tasks than hire somebody new to take on those tasks. Right. right. So it's a win-win for both parties. Right. And you're also buying more into the company and you're able to push the needle forward across the board. You're showing more hard work. You're showing more leadership inside the company. So everyone else around you sees it. And But that's how you move up. You don't move up by clocking in, clocking out. Right. Yeah, being... being right? It's thinking, what else could I do? How right. else can I help? But the right. biggest piece, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, I don't care what position you are inside the company. If you bring me money, you will get paid. Right. If I you agree. go out and bring people in and build the company versus just working on the, I don't care if you do customer service, but if you're like bringing people to the money and people are coming in from you buying RVs, you can be like, damn, Sarah. Like, right. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, if you want to make more money, bring more money. Yeah, I couldn't like, agree more. You cover your salary through the leads that you bring in. You're not going anywhere. Right. No, for sure. Right? And because that's what we we look at that a lot, right? Like cost of acquisition, customer personnel expenses, and all that stuff. So one thing I want to ask you is, if you if you're to you know do it all over again, and you know building a team or dealing with people, what would you do differently, or would you do anything differently? 
If I had to do it all over, would I build a team and how would I do it differently? Yep. So that's a great question because there's two aspects um, in my mind. So you either can create a living expense or you can try to build an empire. Right. You can't build an empire without a team, which comes with a lot of stress. And when it comes to a physical selling product, right? You're building equity in a company, you're not getting paid. If you stayed small in something, you'll make more money than you would inside the equity right. company. It's just the sell of that equity company makes you more money. Right. Now there's obviously you got like the profit first model to where it's like the whole objective is to sell, but at the same time, would you and that's a hope of selling, right? The right. sales are never guaranteed. You never can never like, you know, dictate with the market. But if you want to focus on like short term getting paid high profit margin, you stay small and you take the approach of what can I do that's best service for people versus a product is not something I, I honestly, if I had to go back, I wouldn't do a product. Okay. And I definitely wouldn't do something that is cheap as far as like it's $16 to purchase, but it's heavy. Right. Right. So now I'm low margin. It's a commodity and it's heavy to ship. Right. So like I have like all three things going against me. Right. Right. Versus if I sold makeup, high margin, high price, low weight. Right. Right. For so sure. getting the service side, if you're going to do service, you have to productize your service. And okay. so that's something I've learned along the way is that. You know, I basically do marketing for companies. I'm like, hey, like it's all inclusive for X amount and like whatever you need along the way. Right. And then some people take 20 hours a week. Some people take five. Right. And the ones that take 20 should have been productized to where like, no, no, no. This is what I do for this amount. And then I do this for this amount and this for this amount. So it's understanding that's like the ability to say no will allow you to scale. Right. Which is really because hard you for say some yes people. to everything. Because they're paying you, you're going to keep having to say yes because you've set the tone for the relationship. Right. Right. Oh, so true. Um, but I think if I had habits. to go back, I would do, I wouldn't do a product. I would go into service and I would find what somebody needed and go fill that niche. So the same advice I gave, I would use. Okay. Right. So if I lost everything, I would go to a company and be like, hey, I can help you do X, Y, and Z for X amount. And this is my terms on what I want to do it for. Right. And then either I take that nine to five or I do that same model, but for a few different companies. Right. And I just stay internal. For sure. No, it makes total so, sense. There's a lot because in there. Like, you, again, you can build that empire, right? So like even with the software, like I'm still taking the empire approach. Right. Where it's like, I just, I'm like, you know, we're basically uh four or five months into it i've got three new people onboarded already or like in the process um like spending money on ads like trying to take leaps and bounds in growth right versus if i just stayed small i'd make the same money and be home at five every night right yeah, people but, people don't realize. Like, I, I think I don't think the average person realizes when when a company is in aggressive acquisition mode, they're they're making the least amount of money. Oh man! Like 
Can you see somebody business. like how fast their company's growing? I promise you they're broke as shit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I know how exactly how that feels, everybody out there, because I grew a little too fast. And yeah, I mean, it was cool to put the points on the board. Great opportunities. Very grateful for it now. But it was stressful. I mean, when you're rolling these dealerships and cash flow and we buy five locations in one year, that's a lot of locations, a lot of onboarding, a lot of expense that doesn't come back for a long time. Right. And it's like it's like that investment that you put in that you're expecting to get a return in a long time. That long time duplicates very fast when you keep acquiring and keep building and keep growing. Yep. And so like now it's like with our company, it's like, hey guys, let's just let's time out, chill, everybody, chill. Like our heads, you know, our hair's not caught on fire. Let's just relax and focus on now how profitable can we make the company. And so that, you know, that's what we're doing is, you know, we, we have a lot of processes we want to implement and do all these things and, and innovate in the RV industry and, and just chill. <laughs> we just want to chill, you know, not saying that I, you know, wouldn't, if a great deal of smoking deal came across my, my desk, I wouldn't look at it, but like, there are so many people, like, I don't want to brag about my top line revenue and then be like, well, yeah, like we're going broke. Like, I'd rather be like, my bottom line is super healthy and I'm good and I can, I, it's small enough where I'm nimble but I have enough where like, it's, it's a sizable chunk. Like it's that kind of that sweet spot. Right. And I'm debt free. Like I haven't went and leveraged myself out to death, which a lot of these companies have leveraged themselves out to death. And so you're right. I mean, it's hard. Like it, like, like it's, we call it plateaus. So like at the bottom of a plateau, you're the most profitable at the top of the plateau. You're the least profitable. You have to work your way across that plateau. It's like stairs. Right. And so we just want I mean, to get whether it. that's whether that's buying new inventory or whether that's getting a new warehouse because your overhead increases, then you have to fill the warehouse and then it's great until you got to get a new one and then your drops back down. Right. Right. So, yeah, that stair step model. Yeah. Being disciplined. Uh, and then oftentimes, right, the, the struggle with that is like right, you expect the growth or you want the growth. And then all of a sudden you take a dip with the new overhead and you're doing yep. the same numbers you did last year. And it's like we're, we're in a bad spot right now. Yep. Yep. And a lot of companies go broke. And that's one of the things too, is that a lot of companies will fold in chapter 13 because it talked about like you grow too fast. Well, like that's a real thing. Right. Oh, for like, sure. what do you mean? Like you can grow too fast. I mean, like literally like you onboard a hundred people to work with you, you get a new warehouse, you put all this stuff into it and then something happens and then you can't cover your nut to pay for your monthly income. Yep. And then you got to lay every lay everyone off but then if you lay everyone off you don't have the sales team to bring in the money so right. you're screwed yep yeah no 100 right? it happens 100%. all the time all the time in the food-based industry the only way you actually really make money is the day you sell because that company purchases it dumps money into it builds up the valuation and then they sell it right so it goes from me to a vc to another vc to nestle Right. And then Nestle makes money in 20 years. Right. Because they have enough cash reserves from their, exactly. you know, whatever here history to be able to do that. And that's that's one valuable lesson that I learned is like, hey, like, let's just pat the stats a little bit instead of being so stressed out where we're sweating every single month when payrolls come in and different different expenses. Let's just chill. Let's just be comfortable. There's no wrong. There's no nothing wrong with being comfortable. Stock the cash away for the reserves with the intention to grow one like when it's right timing and 
it's, there's, I see I, so I many people just way. scale out of control and it's like, cool, man, you're like high-fiving on the way there, all this Instagram stuff and everybody's bad. And then all of a sudden like, Hey bro, where are you at? Oh, I'm bankrupt. Oh, okay. Like I just have, I just found out one of a really high prominent person in you, like here in Utah, massive company, hundred million dollar plus company. And uh, like the you know, gentleman was like, Hey, like, you know, they went bankrupt. And I'm like, I did not know that. I'm like, matter of fact, I haven't seen them post. I haven't seen anything. What happened? And like, it just grew too fast. It was just, it was a really cool thing to watch while they were growing. And it's now it's a sad thing to watch while they're not, I mean, and not saying you can't have fast growth and different things without being, you know, eventually being successful, but it, it is a risk. Like it is very, it is leveraging yourself, not yeah. only with people and like now, you know, I look at our company, like I have, I think I have 11 or 12 corporate employees. I got an office built. Like now I'm like, man, that overhead's getting, you know, a lot with the, like this. And it's like, it's taken away from a lot of the profitability of the dealership. Like it, it, but you know, obviously we're in the long run and how we, how we can do that. I need the team, but it's, it's, it's wild, man. So funny story to that in 2020, um, we were obviously running ads and I saw they were performing well. And at the time I was spending like 20,000 a month in ads. And I was like talking to a team member and I was like, I that performed pretty well today. I was like, increase it, go from a hundred to 150 bucks. And he was like, okay. And it did well. And I was like, the next day I was like, it did perform well again. I said, like, double it. He was like, what? I go, just double it. Like it's working. He was like, okay. And then again, no fear, Mike. Right. So then that performed well. And I was like, now it's like 350 bucks. I was like, change it to five grand. He was like, Mike, I'm not doing that. I go change it to five grand. Right. right. And so he was like, okay, it performed. So essentially I went from spending $20,000 a month so in six months, we spent like two hundred thousand that month, the next uh, in like four months. Wow! But I know spent like one point two million on ads. However, I'm thinking like, man, look at all this money coming in. Like this is going so great, blah blah blah. Not having a CFO going like, hey, you don't realize, but like you had to not order all this inventory or all the cash you just spent on ads. Right. Yeah. You're not. You're not. You're not playing the long ball here you're playing short cash right and one thing my dad said to me i'll never forget and i was like dad like like we're doing great we did like four hundred thousand dollars this month and he was like uh son um when's enough enough wow. and i went i don't know but i'll let you know when i get there right <laughs> that's funny the worst like mentality to have. Right. Because he was trying to check me, realizing like, hey, like it's going so great, it's probably not going to continue to go that great. Right. Check yourself. Right. Come down out of the clouds. Stay, stay right. Stay what got you there in the first place. Right. Instead of just trying to think like, man, we're trying to jump over the moon, right? For sure. And we're still got our training wheels on to some degree. Right. right? But we're thinking like, oh man, we we got this. And I'm like, what are your numbers? I'm like, I don't know. Right. It's a similar story. We're making money. Very similar story. I mean, I thought I was super good. We'd go buy a bunch of these stores, all that. Like, yeah, I'm getting written up about and all these articles in the RV business. And, you know, I got a call by uh, uh, one of my mentors that's been been in the industry for 30 something years. And he was like, 
relax like you know stop trying to measure up against all these guys that have hundreds of millions of dollars yes. that have been in the industry for 25 years and you're just coming in here thinking you're all big bad and whatever so i was like, okay um you know it was a very valuable lesson so what mike you know i appreciate you uh, you know taking the time to do this i you know we're wrapping up you know close to close to an hour now it's been an awesome conversation and it's fascinating because i you're just crushing it um one thing i want to ask you man where can people find you at um i know that you got this agency i know you're helping coaches i know you're doing stuff man i want to promote you because i feel like you're just doing so well as well as the coffee company well i appreciate that man um my instagram is mike underscore krausen c-r-o-w-s-o-n obviously coffee over cardio and um new software we got is arfunnel.io on instagram and website so love it um anybody wants to learn anything about automations and basically nurturing um that is what we're doing so Heck yeah and we're, we're loving every minute of it i love I it i appreciate man. you having me on here man um i know that our conversation that we had back in utah um i was taken away by the success at such a young age and realistically is not even about that as much as the head you got on your shoulders that means a lot. I thought I was talking to a 50 year old guy with the wisdom you were speaking. And I was like, damn, I need to learn from this kid. Oh, man, it means a and lot. And I say that out of all respect. Oh, I do. It, um, it means a lot. I really, really appreciate that. And you but well. I was, like, I, I was very blown away um, with just how you, your thought process and how you carried yourself and everything. I was just like, this is, this is a good, this is a good guy to follow. This is a good mentor to have um, and a great example for everyone that's listening. Oh, so i appreciate you having me on man it means a lot dude you totally you made my day maybe made me blush over here i really really appreciate that it means a lot and like i'm i'm a super big fan of you and and you just you're just crushing it and i i love your story i'm 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 very honored that you're you took the time i know it's busy i know you're out in dallas so it's central time it's late it's almost seven o'clock at night and i know you probably got dinner or probably something super healthy but um <laughs> the last thing i want to ask you mike um is what does success mean to you and how do you find how do you define success that's a great question. So I'll, I'll lead with this. For a long time, I thought success just would come. And then I heard Bradley say, success isn't just going to show up at your doorstep. You want a jet? Cool. What kind of jet? Right. So for me, success all started back when I moved to California. I bought two palm trees. And the idea was that I don't speak to them every day. And I've got the word tech. Like, flourish tattooed on my wrist and I would say flourish, like grow, whatever, like making funny Instagram. Right. The idea for success for me is to be able to take those two palm trees and plant them in a place that's deemed paradise. And it was the ability to be able to have that home that would make me feel like I was successful. Right. Because the truth is, is that there's no monetary value that defines success. There's no, there's no home. There's no location. There's no place. There's a peace of mind. Right. And the truth is, is that I am successful. And obviously there are levels to what people would define success. But for me, it's all about being happy with what you're doing. And I'm right now very happy. I'm working my ass off. Right. Right. I'm 12 hour days, five days a week. Right. But it really boils down for myself is like understanding that like, Success for me comes on a personal level, like, Mike, you are enough. Right. Right. You have gone through trials and tribulations and relationships and business deals. And like, you're still here kicking. Right. You're able to still go to the gym. You're able to still go do things. And the truth is, for me, 
Success is when you take the mindset of I have to do to I get to do. Right. You've made it. I love that. Dude, that mic drop. Mike, thank you so much for being on the show, man. It means the world. Um, did I I'm so pumped up, man. I might just hop on a plane and come out to come out to <laughs> Dallas and see the operation. Dude, I think it's 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 epic. And I'm actually due for a, a Texas trip. I got a couple projects and things going down there. I'd plan on going to Dallas. Maybe I'll shoot you a text and uh let me know. We'll uh, we'll connect. But man, hey, thank you. It means the world. Absolutely, to me. brother. Um hey, if you like this show, uh please like it, please subscribe it, please rate it, please share it. I mean, I my my heart's to to help and serve the world and culture and in business and life. And so, Mike, again, I appreciate you. Thanks, man. Thank you, brother.